Well, I'm so excited about what God has given me to share with you tonight. It's going to be on emotional healing. God said there's somebody that needs this word where there's something going on beneath the surface, something at the root that is causing some, some rotten fruit in your life. And you don't like the fruit. You wish it would not rot before it's time. You wish it was uh, sweet and good, but it just keeps happening over and over. And you've been praying, well, God, I believe, has heard your prayer. And he, he has been stirring me. He's been shaking me. And he says, I want you to share how I have provided and how I want to heal the, the emotional hurt and the emotional pain and all that which the enemy has tried to dump into the root of your life and cause you so much uh, heartache and so much disappointment and so much emotional distress. And uh, so we're looking at this message this evening, and we're going to be looking from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, do you know anybody in here that could use some emotional healing? Do you know anybody? Do you know anybody sitting in your chair that might could use a little emotional healing? Uh, praise the Lord. I know if, if you've tried to do anything good for the Lord, the devil has definitely sent people to try and destroy you and try to discourage you and speak against you. He's tried to abandon you, tried to break you. The devil don't play fair. And let me tell you what, if it's left unchecked, it leaves damage in us and bruising in us that the Lord, he said, I want to heal them. I want to heal them. So let us look in Ephesians chapter 5. In verse, uh, beginning at verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. It's kind of funny that Pastor Radika's up here talking about our chandelier experience this morning. I said, girl, get out of my sermon. You're always in my stuff. They've asked me for all these years, the kids and mom say, you know, what are you preaching? I say, I'm preaching on Jesus. Preaching on Jesus. I never tell them because they get in my stuff. But the Holy Ghost keeps telling them. And here she is all into this. But look here, for you once were darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship. Look at what God instructs here. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship, but rather expose them. Rather shine the light on them. Rather turn the light on this little light of mine. We didn't ask Brother Harry to sing that. I mean, that's the Holy Ghost. I mean, just stirring this whole service up. Can you imagine? For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Look at verse 13. This is, this is key here. This is key. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. All things that are what? exposed. All things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your orchestration by your spirit of what you're doing here this evening. We know you've got us set up. You've got the chessboard all set up. And you're going to do a victory in our lives here tonight. And Lord, we just submit to you, Holy Spirit, that you would guide, move, direct, and have your way. We said yes to you, Lord. We said yes, Lord, yes. Have your way. Amen and amen. I go back to verse 13, where all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. If it's exposed, it's made manifest by the light. I want to talk tonight about the power of exposure. I don't know if you realize this or not, but according to uh, many studies that have been done, uh, not getting enough direct sunlight, believe it or not, increases our chance of cancer by 70%. God never created us to live in darkness. He even created our bodies uh, to live in light. I remember when Townsend, I believe it was Townsend, we, he was our firstborn, and we brought, I know he was our firstborn, I don't believe he was, I know he was, but I believe it was Townsend, and we brought him home in the little parsonage over here, and uh, he was, he turned yellow, orangey yellow, and it shocked mama and shocked me, and we called the doctor, and we're like, do we need to call 911? <laughs> you know, our babies turned yellow, and they said, no, 
what you need to do. Do you have a, a swing for him? Yeah, we've got a swing. Put him in front of the picture window in direct sunlight. Let the sun shine on him. And the sun will speak to his liver and his liver will begin to function at what it's supposed to. He needs the sunlight. He's been in that womb for nine months. He needs the sunlight. So we took the little swing and propped him up and put him in front of that picture window and the sun was shining. And, and you know what? His color came so pretty and pink and he just looked like, he didn't look like a Martian anymore. As, uh, he, he got his right color. And we're like, wow, the sun was speaking to his organs and, and demanding that they function properly. It's how God created us. Uh, when our bodies need uh, natural sunlight, uh, they found in these studies to synthesize, or synthesize adequate amounts of vitamin D in order for our bones to be strong and healthy and to support our immune system. So it's just how God created us. They say a deficiency in this natural sunlight and vitamin D is associated with, believe it or not, adrenal insufficiencies and Alzheimer's and allergies and autoimmune disorders and cancer of the colon, cancer of the breast, cancer of the skin, cancer of the prostate, depression, seasonal affective disorder called SAD, diabetes type 1 and 2, Gluten intolerance, lectin intolerance, heart disease, hypertension, infertility, sexual dysfunction, learning and behavior disorders, uh, goes on to obesity, osteoporosis, but there's some other osteos in here, and I don't even know, Parkinson's, PMS, psoriasis, and it, and it just keeps going on and on. It's like, wow, God did not create us to live in darkness. And he says that which is brought before the light is when it's exposed, the light makes manifest what God would have good rather than what the evil wants to do in darkness. So that lets me know, if you know how God created the physical order, you can see the parallel to everything God does to us spiritually and to us uh, relationally and emotionally. And the enemy does everything he can to destroy us and God has done everything to bless us and heal us. So what the enemy does is he tries to bring hurt into our life and we don't and we we it's done in darkness and we deal with it in darkness and it causes us so much uh, emotional distress in life. And then it's producing all kind of rotten fruit in our lives. So I want us to look at how to deal with the hurts in your life. Because if you're breathing, go ahead and let me know you're breathing. Go. Okay, we're all breathing. If you're breathing, I guarantee you the devil has targeted you at one time or another to bring hurt in your life. So we need to learn how to deal with the hurts that are in our life. Now, there are five emotional facts that we're looking at tonight. And the very first one, and you can tell where you're at on the meter here, but these five emotional facts, number one is life hurts. Life hurts. We've never been promised a life without pain. You don't find that in the Bible, do you? If he says that he's made us more than overcomers, there's something you got to overcome. If you're more than a conqueror, there's something you got to fight against, meaning you've got an enemy that is coming against you. So, so we've never been promised a life without pain, but we are promised a healer who will heal us of the pain. He even gives his name that he is Jehovah Rapha, our healer, Yeshua. Jesus is our healer. So, so whether it's our own sin or our own failure or maybe it was parental failure or death of a loved one, especially if it was tragic and unexpected or disappointment or abuse or rejection or betrayal, whatever it might be, the enemy has tried to use it to bring pain in your life. Life hurts. To live in the real world means that the enemy is going to get a punch shot. He's going to get an arrow. He's going to get a punch in and try to bring pain in your life. That's one of the emotional facts of life. Another emotional fact of life is unless pain is dealt with properly, it accumulates. It accumulates. God never, ever created us to deal and handle stuff in the darkness. He said the power of exposure is it's made manifest before the light. It is dealt with. But when we deal with it in darkness, just like if we live in darkness, we're going to have a lot of, of failure in our functions of our body because we were not created to live in darkness. And the unfortunate thing 
about pain is that most of us do not know how to properly deal with pain when we're growing up. And pain, the enemy brings it in when we're very young and we're not emotionally, even adults, we're not emotionally knowing how to handle it and how to deal with it. But especially as children, we hide it and we pretend it did not exist. So when pain is not dealt with properly, it accumulates. And, and if usually it's not dealt with properly because we don't know how to properly deal with pain. And then the other one, if you'd move on to the next one there, it says that time heals nothing. We must understand time heals nothing. I know there's an old saying, time heals all wounds, but that's not correct. I'm here to promise you. I believe as I've counseled and prayed for and ministered to people for now over 30-some years, I believe that pain gets worse over time. I really do. I've counseled with many a 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 70-year-old people who just broke down when they finally were sharing with me something that was said or done to them when they were 8 or 9 or 10 years old or 4 or 5 or 6 years old and they've just been living with it. Here, 50 years later, they have, they have this acute pain that is still fresh, it's still a, a binding and it's still causing damage in their life. Something that happened half a century ago. So time heals nothing emotionally. Yes, physically our bodies heal with time, but our emotions only heal with the presence of God. That which is exposed to the light can receive the healing. So we cannot hide these things. We can't hide this pain from God. We can't try and deal with it on our own. We can't suck it up. Just suck it up and go on with life. Let me tell you what. It causes an accumulation of this in our lives and an open door that the enemy can continue to bring even more and more into our lives. You could have gone through a trauma 20 years ago and that trauma could be just as real to you today as it was 20 years ago. Time sometimes allows us to get away from the emotion of the moment, I agree, but let me tell you what, and that time helps us put it maybe in perspective, but unfortunately time does not heal our emotional wounds. They, they need to be exposed before the Lord. You must, just like that little boy that we were raising, had to be placed in front of a picture window and the sun, the natural sun, shine and speak to a liver that's buried deep in his body and cause it to begin to function and produce and bring natural color back to him. Let me tell you what, we need to bring our pain and we need to bring the hurts and we need to bring the things that the enemy has done to us before the Lord. Because unless pain is dealt with properly, I didn't say dealt with, but dealt with properly, it accumulates. The third emotional fact of life is accumulated pain and unresolved pain compromise our mental and emotional and spiritual and relational health. It compromises all of those areas of our life. And, and, and this is why this space where our pain is stored has to be emptied regularly. You were not created by God to carry this pain. You were not. It, it is a waste basket that needs to be dumped. How many of you know that if you ignore your trash can, that, that the smell is going to get worse and worse and worse? The best thing to do is get up off your lazy and take it outside. Come on now. And the same with us and our emotions. We have to empty it. That is the way God created us. And pain is inevitable. So we need to learn how to deal with pain and keep this space empty. I guarantee you there's some listening to me right now under the sound of my voice that there's been destruction in your life. There's been relational fallout. There's been so much damage done because you have not and did not know to empty the wastebasket of the pain that the enemy brought to you and you still have it on the inside and the aroma of it and the stench of it is destroying your relationships, it's affecting you spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Rejected as a child, it builds and it builds and it builds and, and, and it explodes, it explodes because accumulated pain and unresolved problems, they compromise all of these areas of our life. Another emotional fact that we must understand is we all deal with pain in some way, whether we deal with it right or wrong. And I believe the Lord has given us a word tonight in how we might deal with it right. 
He's not saying ignore it. He's not saying be so super spiritual that you pretend it never happened. He's saying we need to learn to deal with it, but we need to deal with it in the right way. Because if we don't deal with it in the right way, we can see its destructive path. God has given us many characters in the Bible to show us exactly what will happen if we don't deal with it in the right way. He gives us an example of David. Wow, this is some example. Here David did a lot of things right, but he didn't deal with the pain of his in, in, in his heart and in his mind very well. And because he didn't deal with it, you see that his children didn't either, and this thing passed on from generation to generation. I want us to just take a moment and look at David and examine his life, not to judge him, but to learn. God recorded these facts. They're negative facts, but He recorded them that we might learn from Him. And I know that David, if he could hear us from heaven today, he would say, yes, please, study my life. If it will help you, don't follow the path that I did. Because if we look at David's life, and we're going to look at Solomon's life, and we're going to look at his son Absalom's life, and we're going to see how they dealt with the pain of their life. And, and I believe it's a great examples of what we should not do. If we're honest, we may say, wow, that's what I've been doing. But tonight, let the Word of God, the light of God, expose this so that the prince of darkness no longer has control over that area of your life. Looking at David, we see if you wanted to kind of consolidate it and just give it a word, you would say David medicated his pain. He medicated his pain. Now, maybe not with the pills that you see on the screen here, but with sex, food, and drugs, and alcohol, and gambling, people run to these things to medicate their pain. When I see someone struggling with alcohol, I know there's a pain that has not been dealt with in their life. There is something that the enemy has done and said and not done and caused uh, the weakness of people around them to do or not to do or things that they've witnessed or things that they hoped for that never happened. Whatever it was, the enemy has used that as an entrance to bring great pain, emotional pain, in that person's life. We, by nature, do not run to poison and, and get hooked on poison just because it tastes good because... Any of you know it don't taste good? You better say amen. Alcohol don't taste good. Say amen. Come on now. Even if you've fallen in love with it, you didn't love it the first time you tasted it. And if you did, there was a demon on your tongue that was trying to get you to entice. There was a, there was a lustful thing on your tongue because it's a poison and uh, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's prescription drugs, whether it's illegal drugs or whether it's sex outside of God's ordination of sex within marriage or whether it's gambling or whatever addiction it may be, the enemy is, is, is trying to get us to deal with pain and in a way that is really more destructive to us than the original pain that came to us. And David medicated his pain. And uh, these are, you know, he, and believe it or not, the sad thing, this is what makes me mad, that the enemy offers these things and they do help for a short little season. But when you sober up, things are things better or worse? Worse. When, when you come off of that three or four day high and come back to life, is things better or worse? Worse. When you've had that illicit affair and you get caught and now your whole family's falling apart, is things better or worse? It's always worse. It's always worse. So, so we know it may help for the moment, but that's just a temporary Band-Aid, but really not a Band-Aid. It's going to, uh, that Band-Aid is really duct tape. And it's going to rip the scab off and make the wound even bigger. D David's problems, he had sex problems. And, and, uh, and I, you say, well, what was David's pain? Well, if you remember when Samuel the prophet came to Jesse's house, you remember the Bible gives us the specific details where Jesse said, God has sent me here. I mean, uh, the prophet uh, came, Samuel said, I've come here, Jesse, to anoint one of your sons. And, and, and Jesse brings seven of his sons before uh, the prophet. And he goes, no, that one looks strong, that one's handsome, that, no, but it's not. Don't look at the outward, God said. Don't look at the outward, don't look at the outward. And then after the seven sons are passed, and, and, and then he says, do you have another son? And he said, yeah, there's this one, David, out in the field, and he brings in the neglected one. I, it's almost as though his father didn't believe in him, 
He was the youngest, probably didn't get a whole lot of attention being one of eight boys. And, and you can only imagine the enemy used that to enter in and bring pain in David's life. We all deal with pain. We all, no matter how good of a parent you've ever promised and, 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 and proposed to be, no, there's no perfect parents on earth. Come on now. Boy, you guys aren't with me tonight or with me. And uh, I, I know I'm not a perfect parent. The rest of you are perfect parents. I'm glad you did everything right. Hallelujah. But um, David, you know, this was definitely an open door. And, and God gives us, shows us how he was overlooked, how he wasn't even considered when he's not even counted as one of the sons. He was treated more as a slave, the servant that was out there. Because uh, the prophet said, bring your sons before me. And here the enemy, I know, brought in pain in David's life. Let me, let, me, let me say this about medicating or addictive behavior. The issue is never the issue. Okay? The issue is never the issue. When you're dealing with an alcoholic or you're dealing with drug addiction or food addiction or a gambling addiction or a sex addiction, the issue is never the issue. To the addict, the substance is not the issue. I'm here to tell you pain is the issue. There's pain in there that the enemy is brought, and it wasn't brought in there fair, because the devil don't play fair. You hear what I'm saying? You say, but we're Christians. Well, the devil really targeted you because you're Christians. It's not that you get, a, a, you know, passed by jail, you go, you go, what is it, pass by, go and go straight to jail. No, that's not the one. Uh, you don't get a get, by, get out of jail free card. Uh, just because you're a Christian, the devil is targeting you. So what, what someone who is dealing with an addiction is really dealing with pain. There's pain there. And, and when the person goes to AA or Alcoholics Anonymous, and they, which has helped millions and millions of people uh, really manage and deal with their addictions, uh, they go through these 12 steps. And the first step is fess up you got to fess up. Start talking about the thing that you haven't been talking about. So it's this principle that comes right out of Ephesians, comes right out of God's Word. They're using a biblical principle that you got to expose this thing. you got to shine the light on it. Because every time there's pain in our life, the devil puts shame and he puts fear in us to keep it in darkness. You can see a child that's been abused and that child was innocent and an adult did a horrible thing, but the enemy brings the shame on the child. When it should be shame on the adult. But the enemy brings the shame on the child so that the child will live with that in darkness so that the enemy can take that pain and take that and do exactly what he wants to do. Anything in the darkness, let me tell you what, is in the devil's domain. And if you keep it in darkness, the devil has, the, basically he has the reins to it. He can pull it to the right or pull it to the left because he's the prince of darkness. We see that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. The Lord definitely gives it right to us. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. And what? Against the rulers of the darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So let me tell you what, if he's the prince of darkness and you keep that pain in the darkness, he is going to cause it to fester and he's going to cause it to reek uh, with, a, with an aroma that just is disgusting so that it affects all of your life. You've got to expose it. You've got to get the light of God's word and the light of God's love and the light of God's power of shining in on that area that you've been hiding and covering and, and thinking it's going to go away. Because whatever is in the light belongs to God because God is the God of all light, the Bible says. So the devil's greatest interest in our lives is to keep the pain there and he puts the fear and he puts the shame there so that we keep it a secret so that he can continue to have an open access to our emotions. And we wonder why we're so messed up. We wonder why the smallest thing in life that really doesn't go right can throw us off in such a big way when we know that smaller thing should not affect us this way, but we are a mess emotionally. So what we have to do is learn that we're no longer going to live in the hallmark of dysfunction because the hallmark of dysfunction is secrecy. Don't talk about it. Don't tell anyone. 
Deny it. Live in denial. It really didn't happen. It really wasn't as bad as you think it was. But let me tell you what. Functional families, they talk and they process things and they get things out in the light so that true healing can take place, so that true deliverance can take place. I'm here to encourage you from God tonight. You don't have to live with that pain the rest of your life. You don't have to live with the results that it is bringing in your life. God says, I have a way to bring healing to you, but it has to be given to me, exposed before my light. Because if you're not dealing with your pain and you're medicating it, Every moment you're under the effects of the alcohol or the effects of the drug or the food or the gambling or the shopping or whatever it is, during that time, you're being tricked because the pain seems to go away. But as soon as you finish eating in an unnatural way or doing or drinking or taking something that is not naturally healthy to your body, the moment you do, a greater guilt a greater shame, a greater darkness. It's like the claws of the enemy get deeper and deeper into our lives. Don't be like David and medicate your pain. Then we look at Solomon, and we see Solomon, I call it, he motivated his pain. He was a workaholic. I mean, he was the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate overachiever. He built the greatest nation in the history of the world. He was the richest man in the history of the world. He, the, you know, it says that he had so much gold that silver no longer even had any value. Silver was about as, as just like sand. It just meant nothing because of all the gold that Solomon had. And he built and he built and he built and he built. He motivated his pain. Now what was Solomon's pain? Wow! Did you forget? He didn't. That he was the son of David and Bathsheba, the child of scandal. You don't think he heard about it? You don't think the kids jested him? You don't think adults spoke down on him? You don't think his half-brothers, half-sisters maybe had something to say? Here, your dad had your mom's first husband murdered because of you and your adulterous affair and here pregnant with you, the child of scandal? Well, we know that child died, but you know how people, they'll twist the facts just to make the pain even harder. And here's Solomon, a little kid, probably thinking maybe it was his fault. Maybe it was his fault. And he wasn't even the child that was conceived during that. But he's the one that lived, and the devil took shot at him. Wow. Man, this is, this is bad. Most of us have not had it that bad. But here's Solomon. And look what he says with his own words about his pain in Ecclesiastes 2, 9 through 11. He says, So I became great, and I excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all of my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. See, labor, labor, labor. And indeed, all was vanity. A grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. See, one way you can deal with your pain is to always have something going on, to always have the radio on, always have the TV on. you always got to be with somebody. you always got to be doing something. you always got to be busy, busy, busy. Because if you stop, the pain shows up and starts talking to you about the past. And you don't want to hear that pain. So you work, 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 and you stay busy. you busy, busy. And, and, and I'm not talking about diligence. The Bible talks about diligence being a blessing. I'm talking about sickness where you're driven and, you driven and you can't stop. Like that man I had up there chained. He was chained to, to work, 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 work. The enemy had him a slave. Too many Christians can read their Bibles and, 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 and they can pray as long as uh, there's no silence. But because when things get silent, they, they, they run, they run because... Something about hearing God's voice. The enemy's got us fooled that God is the one that is against us rather than the one that is for us. Man, the devil's trying to keep you from the light because he knows if you get into the light, the darkness has to flee. 
He knows the moment that darkness comes in contact with light, there is no contest. And He knows that the light always wins. Always wins. So the devil's trying to keep you motivated, motivated, motivated. Be around somebody. Keep the noise on. Keep. Don't, 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 don't do anything to get before that almighty, all-powerful, still voice of God where God may speak light into your life and expose the darkness and cause healing to come into your life. Satan works overtime, I'm here to tell you, to make us feel shame and fear about our past. So we hide it from others. And the silliest thing of all, we hide it from God. Like we can really hide anything from God. Think about it. How foolish is that? But we, we do. We try to. And the wild thing is, when you try to hide it from God, you're hiding it from your healer. You're hiding it from the only one who can heal you and set you free. See, when He touches your pain, it doesn't hurt. When He touches your pain, it goes away. And the enemy is trying to get you to stay away from His touch because normally a touch on pain brings more pain but not from the hand of our God. He brings healing. Jesus says, oh, come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are heavy laden, all of you who have all this junk on you, come to me and I'll give you rest. He says, for I am gentle. I am humble. I want to help bring rest to your soul. He knows that when we're hurting it's a nightmare for someone to come and jab us in that pain. But Jesus doesn't jab us. He tells us here, I gently, I gently bring healing. There's a scripture that says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly lit burning wick he will not extinguish. And what does this mean? This means that if you are the most shattered and the most broken person in life, that he will deal with you not roughly, not disrespectfully. He understands. And as the healer, he will take the devastation that is in your life and touch it so gentle as not to... That bruised reed, he's not going to break it, but he's going to heal it. That dimly lit torch, he's not going to extinguish it, but he's going to ignite it. He wants to bring healing to us. So let's not do like David and medicate our pain. And let's not do like Solomon and motivate our pain. And let's not do like Absalom who was another example and, and he meditated on his pain. Boy, that's a dangerous one there. To meditate on your pain. And what was his pain? Well, Amnon, his half-brother, violated his sister Tamar in a very horrible way. We won't go into the details. And David, her father, did nothing to him. Amnon gets off scot-free. His dad does nothing. And he's silent for two years and, and Absalom stewed over those two years. Those two years, you think because he was silent, everything was okay. Uh-uh. There was aggressive-passive behavior here, passive-aggressive behavior here. He's stewing on this, this injustice. He's stewing on what his dad failed to do. He's stewing on what his brother, his half-brother, had done to his sister. And, and after two years, he can't stand it anymore. He kills his half-brother in revenge. Amnon is now dead. And Absalom has to flee. David did nothing for years. And Absalom, he just meditated and, and stewed on this hurt, this injustice, and this pain. I ask you tonight, have you taken the way of Absalom? Have you been meditating on the injustice? Have you been thinking about letting it play over and over? And, and, and let me tell you, the enemy, he changes the script. As it plays over and over, it gets worse. It gets bigger. It gets uglier. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And let me tell you what, you think because you are disciplined and you can keep it under wraps, mm -mm -mm. it's going to come out. Years later maybe, but it's going to come out. 
And it was years later when Absalom surfaces again, he tries to kill his father. Man, it still wasn't all dealt with. See, there are people when they get hurt and they get mad, they just stew on it. Is that you? Just stew on it. Become cynical, bitter, angry, hate-filled. And let me tell you what, when you hate others, you hate yourself. See, the enemy really plays one on us, knowing that we were created by God to love our neighbor as ourselves. The enemy knows if he can get us hating others, that we hate ourselves as well. That's why you'll harm yourself. That's why you'll hurt yourself. I've seen people beat their head up against brick walls. I've seen people put things in their body not caring if they did die. I've seen people that say, I don't care. I don't want to live because they hate themselves. See, when you, make, when you hurt by, when you're hurt by others, you have to make a choice, okay? You have to deal with it in a good or bad way. I didn't say if you, you, know, if you ever get hurt by someone. I'm saying when you get hurt. Because we hurt people. I mean, I've hurt people. And they've come to me and said, I hurt them. And I never thought in a hundredth of a million years that ever to mean any harm to them. But because I didn't fulfill an expectation they had, it hurt them. And I'm so glad they came to me because I, I, I repented. I asked, I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know that was something that I, you even expected of me. But, but thank you for telling me so we can deal with that. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? You have to deal with it, good or bad. Bad ways to deal with it is to medicate it or to motivate it and try to ignore it through being busy or to meditate on it or the blend of one, two, or the three of those. Because let me tell you what, if you try to do that, that's why uh, medicators and and, uh, people who meditate and medicate, that blend makes for angry drunks. You ever heard some people's a a drunk, when they're drunk, they're crying drunk or they're loving drunk or they're angry drunk. You you, You ever heard that? Okay. Now, I grew up in the midst of alcoholism. I've seen the destruction. I've seen the pain. I've seen it. I've seen it all. And let me what? I've seen the angry drunks. And they're the nicest people until they come under the influence of those little S spirits. And those demon spirits get to working. And my goodness, all that mess that was hidden in there starts coming out. And they're ready to fight anybody. They're ready to fight everybody. And they may be the quietest person when they're sober, But boy, that comes out. And we could go through the blend and look at different ways of this. But I'm just saying, when you deal with pain improperly, not only does it entrap dysfunction in you, but it it, it entraps dysfunction in your family system. It never is just about you. Because you do not live in this world on an island. Medicators cause pain with their addictions. Yes, your addictions hurt others. Did you hear me? Your addiction is doing more pain to the people around you than you even realize. You need to know that. Motivators cause pain because of their avoidance. Never available. Never can you get a straight talk. Never can you have deep conversation. And meditators that meditate on it, that you hurt others because of the outbursts and the attacks that come when least expected. Wow. Let's look at emotional fact number five here as we try to wrap things up here. And that is the only way to stop the pain and totally resolve it is to turn it towards God. Ignoring it doesn't work. Pretending it didn't happen doesn't work. You've got to empty that hurt space. You've got to empty it. Matthew 5 and 4 says, Jesus speaks, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now there's a better translation in light of our context here, and I want to read that to you. It says, Blessed are those who turn their pain toward God, for their pain will be validated, understood, and healed. Hallelujah. Yes, turn your pain towards God. And God will validate, understand, and bring healing into your life. Jesus is talking to a nation who is devastated under Roman corruption. He knows what's going on and He's telling them, you bring me your pain and I'll comfort you and I'll take care of that pain. 
See, emotional pain only heals in the presence of light. Come on now. It has to have the light of God's love and God's healing power. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who bring their pain to me and I'll comfort you. So here's the essential requirements for emotional healing. And I pray that if any and every one of us here and anyone tuning in, if you're dealing with emotional pain, let us uh, uh, look at these uh, final practical steps so that we can leave here tonight with tools in our work, uh, tools in our toolbox so that we can truly open the door and let the Lord's light and love bring healing into our lives. So the first thing that we must do in order for, to have emotional healing is you have to be honest before God. I'm not telling you to come and tell me all that happened to you. I'm not telling you to come and, 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 and get a microphone and tell the whole congregation. But you must be honest before God. You must come to Him and open your heart to Him and know that you can trust Him with the issues of life and say, God, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, and I'm coming to You. And I want to talk to You about it. Let me tell you what, He's not ashamed of you. There's nothing you can do that will make Him reject you. Regardless if you did it yourself or someone else did it to you, God is there for you. And where there's abuse and failure... The devil has put shame and he's put fear and he's tried to keep you in the darkness and we've got to break out of that. We've got to say, no more. Devil, you're not going to keep me hiding in the closet with this anymore. And we've got to come and understand that God is not our problem. God is our solution. God is not who we run away from. God is who we run to. Come on now. And God is not trying to find a reason to reject you. He's looking for every reason to show you that He loves you. Come on now. Our sins are forgiven and we've been accepted by God in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's done everything to make us righteous before Him. So He's doing everything to show His love for us rather than to reject us. Hallelujah. We're His children. So we can boldly become, come before His throne of grace, right? In our time of need and we'll find mercy and grace, He said. Praise God. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my best friend. He's my great physician. He is the one that wants to take the pain away from your heart. But you got to be honest with Him. you got to be honest. Bring it into the light. You remember what we read when we opened up? That only that which has been exposed to the light can there be the manifest of light. Otherwise, darkness has its control. So you got to be honest. Secondly, you got to be responsible to God. You got to be take responsibility for your behavior. You got to stop blaming others. Do you hear what I'm saying? Even if it was something that was done to you, life, let me tell you what, life does not form me. My response to life forms me. And we've got to learn to take responsibility and say, this happened to me. It was wrong. It was wrong. The devil did it. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. But I'm going to take responsibility for it, and I'm going to expose it before the light of God's love, and God's going to help me empty this wastebasket of emotional uh, garbage, and I'm going to be set free. Hallelujah. Stop this. My parents did it. My brother did it. My step-parent did it. My friend did it. Let me tell you, as long as you find an excuse, the enemy finds entrance in your life, and darkness will continue to rule. Yes, they may have done it. But let me tell you what, you can overcome it in and through Jesus Christ. So you need to learn to say, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Say, I'm not a helpless pawn in the sea of fate. I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Hallelujah. This is why you can see some of the most dysfunctional families produce children who one will come out full of hate and refuse to talk and refuse to have uh, anything to do with other family members. 30 years will pass by. And then one comes out rebe rebellious and addictive and another one comes out and they turn to Christ. And, and let me tell you what, next thing you know, they're turning back and they're winning their parents to the Lord Jesus and getting them delivered and trying to get their siblings uh, to, to get the healing touch of God as well. They all came out of the same household, but the one who turned to Christ. The one who turned to God and the light of His power and His love exposed that and healed them. Now they're able to carry healing back into their home. So we have a choice in how we respond. Life doesn't form me. My response to life forms me. 
Say, I can make the right decision. I can be responsible and stop blaming others. I mean, it goes all the way back. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed God. Can't get much bigger than that, right? She may have blamed the devil, but she said, you're the one who created him and put him here. <laughs> Probably had a little snap to her neck when she said it. <laughs> so no matter what anyone has done to you, you've got to take responsibility of your own behavior. It wasn't right. It wasn't fair. It wasn't just. But it was done. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to let it just keep poisoning you? Or are you going to expose it and get healing? And then third, there's mercy from God for you and those who have hurt you, so you've got to forgive yourself. You've got to forgive yourself. You say, wait a minute, this, was, this infraction was imposed upon me when I was just a child. Let me tell you what, the devil has worked this thing so much that you took the guilt, you have done things out of that guilt or out of that pain or out of that shame that now make you very disappointed with yourself, angry with yourself. But you got to forgive yourself. You didn't know how to deal with it. You're not, there, there's no manual in how to deal with uh, emotional distress that comes against us and violation that comes against us. So the enemy, he got, he got one in. But don't let him win. Don't let him win. you got to forgive yourself. Regret is one of the greatest things the devil uses to cause us to live in misery. When I see a miserable person, I know there's a person living with regret. Always there, there's that regret. And then you got to forgive others. you got to forget the one, forgive the ones who hurt you. Were they right? No. By you forgiving them, does it justify it? No. No. But let me tell you what. That you've got like a dead corpse that you've chained to you. And that dead corpse is decaying and it's causing all kind of infection and disease and smell and it is changing who you are. When you forgive that person, you, you throw off that dead corpse. And you say, this is no longer, the smell of it, the stench of it is not, no longer even going to be a part of my life. I forgive you. I release you. And let God take care of it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay, saith the Lord. Let him take care of it. But you get that, that death off of you. Amen? We all have pain that we got to deal with. And when it accumulates, it compromises us. But thank God for Jesus. Woo! Thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God for His love. Thank God for His mercy. And thank God that He can touch every area of our life and He can heal it. What a good, good God we serve. So I want to close by praying for you tonight. And, and I don't know what you've been going through. And I don't know your circumstance and your situation, but God does. And God sent me here tonight because He doesn't want you to have to live with the weight of this. He doesn't want you to have to live with the pain of this anymore. So I just want to say tonight, if we could get some, I don't know if i got a musician, or if we could get some uh, ministry music just playing here, let some anointing begin to flow. I just believe God wants to do some healing in some lives tonight. I know He does. And as we just come before Him tonight, let's just go to Him in prayer. Lord, we thank You. We thank You, Lord God, that even though this reed is, is bruised and almost ready to collapse, you will not destroy it. Your touch will only strengthen it. And there are some reeds here tonight, God, that have been bruised by life. And their fire is nearly extinguished, but you're not going to put it out. Lord, you're going to lift them up. You're going to strengthen them. And you're going to bring healing to them, Lord. And I want to thank you in advance as we open the curtains and open those closet doors and open those areas of shame and pain and disappointment and rejection and abuse and all those things that have just, we've not known what to do with it. God, we're not created to carry this. You never wanted us to carry it. So we're going to open it up to you tonight. And Lord God, where others could touch and the jab would hurt, you said that you are gentle, that you are easy, and you're going to bring rest. So, Lord God, we're going to open it up to you. So if you're here tonight and you know that there's uh, in your life, you, want, you know that there's some areas that really need to be exposed before the Lord. And this thing has been causing you uh, to maybe be drawn to addictions, of med whether it's medicating or meditating on it or, or motivating it or however you've been dealing with it. You're tired of that. 
the, the workaholic, the, the alcoholism, the drug addiction, the anger, the bitterness, the, the uh, passive aggressiveness, or the, whatever it is, you're just saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. I need a healing touch from God. So if you're here and you need prayer in any of these areas in your life tonight, you want God to heal it, I want you to just stand. Just stand with me right now. And I'm the first one to stand because, Lord, you know I need a touch from you. I love the light of your presence. Lord, your light brings healing. Your light brings joy. Your light brings direction. Your light brings life, abundant life. So, Lord God, I, I don't want to live with any brokenness. I don't want to live with any of the garbage that the enemy has brought into my life through the, the vanities and the, and, the, and the infallibilities of others, even while I was a child. Lord God, I come before you. Just stand before the Lord. And Lord God, we just stand in your presence now, Lord. Hallelujah. We stand in your presence, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you don't care how small or how big it is. You know. You know. And you care. And you want to bring healing tonight. You want to bring deliverance tonight. So, Lord God, we just say, Lord, here, look at the mess. Look at all of this. Look at this pain. Look at this brokenness. Look at this dysfunction. Lord, this, I don't even know when it came in. Just, just tell him. Just be honest with him. Lord, I don't even know when it came in. Or maybe you do. Say, Lord, I just need to rather than figure it out and try to negotiate with these demons and rather than try to, to uh, bring order to this chaos. Lord, I wasn't created to carry this waste. And I need to empty it out tonight. Empty me. To empty out tonight, God. Empty out of me, Lord, this darkness, this pain, this hurt, this abuse, this oversight, always being overlooked, always being talked down on, always being neglected, being the, the punching bag, whether it's verbally or physically, whatever it is. Say, Lord, I need the light of you, the light of you. You, Jesus, you're the light of the world. You, Jesus, Shine the light of your love and expose this thing tonight. Drive it out of me. Drive this darkness out of me, Lord. Lord, I need a touch from you. Just asking, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, touch me in my inner man. Touch me in my inner being. Touch me where I've had a tendency to hide that thing, where I've had a tendency to, to overlook and, and, and pretend it's not there and deny it. But Lord God, touch me there tonight. Bring your light. Bring the touch of healing. Bring the touch of anointing. An anointing that lifts this burden off of me. That destroys this yoke off of me. I want to be free. Talk to Him. Tell Him, Lord, I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free to love. And I want to be free to live. And I want to be free to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I don't want to live enslaved to these addictions and enslaved to this pain and enslaved to this anger and enslaved to this shame and enslaved to this, this all this abuse and abandonment and all these demonic lies and spirits that the enemy has brought into my life. The prince of darkness has ruled here too long. It ends now. Rule and reign Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, come in, purge and fill and enlighten me. Lighten me up with the light of heaven. Lighten, illuminate me, Lord God, that I too can be a light for you, a light in this earth. Lord God, use me to help bring your light and your love to others. But I got to first be healed. I got to first have your light shining in me in order for you to shine through me. Bring your healing. Oh, shikantaramasi. Heal abo shantaramasanta. Heekantarabasundariyasanta. I pictured the Lord like a, a physician, a surgeon that was preparing for open heart surgery who went and washed and washed and cleansed his elbows and his arms and his hands and then he's standing there and someone's helping him get into the surgical gloves and, and there he's going into a very tender, a very vulnerable, a very, a very had been secured place but he's going in there to bring healing. 
God says, I am your God. I not only am the God of sanctification, but I'll sanctify you. And just let me come in and do some heart surgery. Let me do some heart surgery on you right now. You've been functioning at less than full percent, less than full capacity. And it's been affecting all of you. It's been affecting you spiritually. It's been affecting you mentally. It's been affecting you relationally. It's been affecting you even physically. So let me do, let me open up these arteries. Let me open up these valves. Let me touch those hardened arteries and, and cause them to be very, very uh, uh, elastic and like they were in their original creative order. Oh God, come into our spiritual hearts tonight, Lord God. Come into our soulish realm, Lord, where emotions have been so guarded into the heart of who we are. Lord, we open ourselves up. Do the surgery you need to do. Bring the light and the life back into me again. Lord, that I'll have a heart for people. That I'll have your heart for people. Lord, do that transplant. That transplant where you give me your heart. So I can love my spouse with your heart. That I can love my neighbor with your heart. That I can love my children with your heart. That I can love my parents with your heart. That I can even love those who violated me with your heart. Lord, do a work in me now. God, I make myself vulnerable. I give myself to you. Let him do it. You're in a safe place. You're in a safe place. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, You're in a safe place. Don't guard that area. I know you've never opened that up to me, saith the Lord. He said, Well, let me have it tonight. Let me come into that, that area tonight. Let me restore blood flow to that area. Oh, you don't realize how much better you're going to feel, says the Lord. I just hear the Lord saying, you just don't realize how much better you're going to feel. How much better you're going to function. How much better you're going to be able to, to just carry the goodness of God to others around you. But you got to let him have that part as well. That chamber. He needs that chamber too. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come. Complete work tonight, God. I just keep hearing the Lord say this is a sanitary you're in a germ free if you need to think of it that way you're in a germ free safe place to let me open this up just open it up let me come in stop trying to figure out why you've always been this way and say it's just my personality I just have a rough personality that's a lie well I'm just contrary no that's a lie there's hurt there's undealt hurt there's abuse there's abandonment there's rejection there's cruel cruel things that have been said and done there's been a need that's been unfulfilled healing touch, Lord, seal, seal any open wound, seal it tonight, that we don't leave here with any open areas for the enemy, seal it with your love, Lord God, stitch it, stitch it with your word, 
Let your Holy Ghost, the song of Gilead, the balm of Gilead, Lord God, bring a cleansing about even the sutures, that there will be no infection. The devil will not be able to pick at this, but they will walk out of here truly healed tonight, God. Hallelujah. So, Lord God, with thanksgiving, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for cleansing. We thank you, God, for sanitizing. We thank you, Lord God, for purging. We thank you, Lord God, for sanctifying. We thank you, God, for your healing touch. Lord, a complete touch. We're not leaving here undone. We're leaving here redone by the power of your touch in your hand and your love and your light of your word. Thank you, God. We praise you, Lord, for the strength. We praise you, Lord God, for the new walk that we're going to have because of the light of your word and your spirit, Lord God. We thank you that we're going to leave here, God, better than we came because of what you have done. We give you the praise. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.